Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't even started the show, and Sue's already talking about wardrobe for uh, Fred's <laughs> Hall of Fame ceremony next Thursday night. Yes, I don't have anything to wear. I know. It is a dilemma. Hey, by the way, Hall of Famer, hey. what, are you, what are you going to wear that night? Fred uh, has a new suit. I bought a new suit. Really? It looks did so Joyce good. help you buy the suit? No, or no you, I what, did this one all on my own. Where'd you go? Did you go to Men's Warehouse, Fred? I went, I went everywhere. I kept looking for lower prices. <laughs> yeah, no uh, kidding. That's yeah, it. There's our I, Fred. Then I had to go out and buy shoes as well. The so you bought cute. a new suit just for the occasion of the Hall of Fame. That's pretty special. That's great. Did you find a tie? I uh, know that's this weekend. Ties are not hard to find. Or are hard oh, to find. They are, are hard they to find. Really? They really. I think Macy's has ties, but honestly, you go to some stores that used to have ties, and they they don't they don't have as many ties because nobody's dressing up anymore. By evidence right. of the fact, oh, look at me. Just point. look at me on the YouTube or the Twitter every day. I basically look like John Fetterman because it's so cold in here. <laughs> you do not look like John Fetterman. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. I do. How are I'm, you, Sue? I'm fine, thank you. My car is getting. This is the kind of day that it just makes your car filthy. And oh, there's nothing you can do no, about it. there is nothing you can do about I it. I drove by the car wash, and there were some desperate people just trying to get a layer off. But I thought, yeah, I'm going to hold out till this is gone. But I think it's just supposed to rain. I, I thought it was going to be raining like crazy by this afternoon when I looked at the forecast. It doesn't seem to be doing that. Now, having said that, I think that the uh, the temperatures are quite lovely. Right? Yeah, they are. It's really nice. Well, we have uh, Did You Know It's the New Hampshire primary. I did. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that today, <laughs> just so people know. I'm going to move on because I don't think it really matters, and I don't really, really care. Doesn't. This whole thing, you know, especially for someone like, I, I really like, enjoy politics. I yeah. do this for a living, and I really like the, you know, the sport, if you will. It's a blood sport, but there's no, there's nothing here that is interesting to me whatsoever, but we'll still cover some of it, I suppose, this afternoon. Here's something interesting that just happened in the Missouri legislature. We're going to talk here a little bit later with State Senator Bill Eigel, rabble-rouser that he is, but you have a situation where, you know, this. we talked about this with um, Nick Schroer a week ago, State Senator Schroer, who's a veteran on the Reardon Roundtable. They formed something called the Freedom Caucus in Jeff City. A bunch of the senators that feel like the establishment folks, they would say the establishment folks, like the Senate President Caleb Rowden of Columbia uh, aren't doing enough on some of these issues. So Caleb Rowden today, the Senate pro tem, responded by stripping all of the Freedom Caucus members of their chairmanships of committees. So this isn't calming down in Jeff City, (laughs) and they're really not achieving anything. 
uh, going back to my comment about being a blood sport, but we're going to have Senator Eigel on just a little bit later this afternoon. Brad Young's going to join us in the uh, segment right after the monologue here to talk about the uh, Texas border ruling yesterday and some other stuff as well. We have Kill Meat this afternoon. At this time yesterday, I featured all this Joy Reid stuff with the woman who runs the uh, Moms for Liberty on the book banning, which really books are not being banned, but that is outstanding. And Joy Pullman wrote about that for the Federalists, and she's going to join us this afternoon. Um, State Senator Eric Schmidt, oh, no, wait, I just I just <laughs> demoted him. In fairness to me, he was a state senator, but no, U.S. Senator Eric Schmidt's going to join us a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Kilmeade's at 5.07. But let me get started here with just a couple of things that I want to make sure that I cover. This is random but I like it a lot, and it kind of plays into some of the other stuff that we're certainly going to talk about here with the uh, the border. There's some great stuff with um, with Ducey today in the press room. He's he's back into form. I think he took maybe a little time off around the holidays, and they don't ramp up, you know, back into the White House press briefings full bore until maybe right around this time. And they've been doing it now for a week, and he's got some great points that he made. But this is a guy. There's a uh, a suburb of Chicago. You know, I grew up until I was 14 up there, Naperville, and mm-hmm. There, it's it's. I would say it's a relatively wealthy suburb, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, Sue, you would agree on that. So there's a guy who's a county councilman or a city councilman up there in Naperville, Illinois, Josh McBroom, and the issue of immigration came up in Naperville because Chicago's being you know overrun to a certain extent. And you have some do-gooders. I don't know if you could really. What would you compare Naperville, Illinois, to any place around here? Maybe a uh, Chesterfieldy. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to mention my, my friends. I always like to point out the do-gooders in Webster and Kirkwood. But you got a lot of do-gooders, you know, that want to do – they hold their signs and they want, you know, to help. And they want to be sanctuary cities and all that stuff. So this guy, Josh McBroom, don't know him. He made, I think, a, a subtle, maybe not so subtle point here. You know, we do hear from constituents on both sides of this. What are we going to do to preemptively stop this? And then we hear from people that tell us we should do more. So, you know, we do have a, a, a very affluent community. A lot of big homes. And um, what I'd like to do is direct staff to create a sign-up sheet. So, you know, for individuals that would be willing to house migrant families. Um, and if there's people that would do that, God bless them. Yes. Um, so if we could raise, raise awareness in that way, um, I think we need to find out. I think we need to find out who would be willing to house migrant families. And uh, so that that would be my new business. I'd be looking for, you know, support from from the dais. I think he's kind of like being a little facetious there. Right. Hey, you want all these migrants to come into our area? Open up your backyards and your home. Yeah. Tell us who you are. You got a five bedroom, you know, four and a half bath home. Let's get you signed up because we can fill those rooms very, very quickly. Now, on that particular topic, I mentioned Ducey in the briefing room today. I'm I'm a little surprised on some of these fronts, and we'll get to a variety of topics here that that he engaged or that she engaged, that KJP engaged, but they kind of like to have this little relationship in the press room. On uh, immigration. Authorities in Fairfax County, Virginia, ignored an ICE detainer. They released an illegal immigrant from Honduras who was charged with sexually assaulting a Virginia minor. And- now, we talked about this case last week, some of you might remember. It's a horrible case where this guy is accused of raping uh, a girl and then just gets released back into the community. Production of sexual abuse material. Doesn't that go to show that 
As record numbers of people appear at the border, you guys have no idea what kind of people are coming into this country. Let me just say, uh, first of all, this is why the president is having negotiations with the Senate, senators, Republicans and Democrats, right, for the past couple of weeks to deal with what's going on with the border security, right, as it, re as it relates to border security. I have just one little suggestion. How about we just shut the border down and we actually enforce the border and then we can talk about some of these other things. That's the thing. They want to put the cart before the horse. I don't, you know, support that. And I don't think Senator Schmidt, Senator Hawley supports that. And they've been trying to make that clear. This is why the president on day one put forward a comprehensive immigration plan that that more than three years now, Congress didn't do anything about. But he's appreciative that we're having this conversation in the Senate. We, de exactly. we deployed additional troops uh, and federal agents to the border who have, by the way, returned more than 482,000 uh, individuals since May. That's, that's what we've been able to do. Uh, we've led the largest expansion of lawful pathways and that we haven't seen in some time. The president continues to have diplomatic conversation with Mexico, who have actually taken taken actions to deal with uh, the situation. There's more work to do. There's a little. work to do. We understand that. We have said that. You've heard that from the president on Friday. Really? We understand that there's more work to do. We need more resources. We need more funding, which is why we're having these negotiations. Yeah, they always want funding. more money. Yeah, there, there's always money involved. That's what we, How much money? If, do, if, oh, my God. I can't I, I, even. I can't either. Now, we're going to talk with Brad Young about this. I am not a constitutional expert. I didn't dig into this ruling yesterday. But you had a case where the and this is where the law gets very particular maybe we'll hear this from brad here in a couple of minutes but it is and we've been told and this is true that there are constitutional responsibilities for the federal government when it comes to enforcing immigration laws texas however you can understand the position they're in they're being overrun yeah. literally overrun by not just hundreds by hundreds of thousands if not millions of migrants God, the, the so frustration. right so their solution one solution let's put up razor wire make sure that we close down part of the border especially because we didn't finish the wall well the Biden administration do doesn't like that they sue to make sure that the border agents can get through the uh, the razor wire and then yesterday the court rules essentially that they're going to side with the Biden administration Great. there were two conservative justices the chief justice John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett who sided with the lefties on the court so that was something that came up today in the um, I think this was Ducey but it's with uh, hold on a second here because this is Kirby Hold on. This is John Kirby on this question. The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire, so that they could do their jobs. And you know what would also help them do their jobs, Peter? more border patrol agents. There's an idea. And if you go back to the supplementary request that we put in, there's money in there for some 1,300 additional border patrol agents. We want to help them do their jobs. We want to give them more resources. And the answer we kept get, keep, keep getting back from House Republicans is no, no, no. Who who was remember we had this uh, this issue with what was that one guy's name that was the Speaker of the House? Kevin. What was his name? <laughs> Kevin, 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 Kevin. McEnroe, was that his name? No, no. One, McCarthy! One, that's right. That was it. Before him, before he, you know, we had a lot of votes last year, but before him, who was the Speaker of the House? It was a woman. I can't Nancy, remember what her Nancy, name was. Nancy, Nancy. Nancy Pelosi! Oh, yes. Wasn't, didn't that mean that Nancy Pelosi, if she was Speaker of the House, 
she was speaking in the House at the same time Joe Biden was president. Yes, she right? was, in the same party. And then you got um, Chuck Schumer. They could have done some things. Uh-huh. Could, okay, I'm just mm-hmm. double-checking Yeah, on that that's correct. they don't ever want to talk about that. And then before we get back into that issue with Brad Young here in just a couple of minutes, I want to give an update on this um, trans golfer kerfuffle, which is interesting. And if you missed this, this is about Haley Davidson, who is a, a biological male golfer from Australia, recently won on the NXXT Golf Tournament Tour in Florida. It's a feeder tour, and if you get enough victories, that could lead to LPGA status, which is a, a pretty big deal. So Haley Davidson won, I use that word in quotes here, this recent tournament. It's a women's pro tour event, and that increased the story over the weekend was, well, that certainly increased the likelihood that he would become the first trans golfer in history to participate in the LPGA Tour. A lot of backlash, though. We highlighted this story yesterday, and the tournament was on January 17th. Riley Gaines, who's been heroic in all of these things, yes. has been you know putting some pressure on here. And the NXTT Tour uh, responded to this yesterday. They have more concerns. I think I highlighted this just a little bit yesterday where they've made some decisions saying we're going to revisit this and look at some of the rules that we've put in place. Although, when they put their statement out yesterday, and I made this point, I think, in the 5 o'clock hour, they pivoted just a little bit and kind of put the blame on the LPGA. This is what these organizations do. Just they say, well, we're following our rules and the rules that are set up by these other organizations, right? So I don't know where this takes us, but you almost there's a part of me that thinks— Oh, by the way, one of the questions would be, well, why aren't other golfers speaking out? Like, you know, you've had Riley Gaines and others. And you have to put yourself in the situation of those other golfers because they may feel very passionately about that. And I, I would like to say, well, they're not brave enough to do that. However, their livelihood is on the line. Yeah, and, and I understand that when you got, you know, sponsorships and stuff like that, you get dragged into a controversy. They're going to come after you yeah, in are. all likelihood. But it, it's almost here's here's where I'm going with this. I think it's going to almost take. I almost want Haley Davidson to get into the LPGA. Mm. I really do. Because I think it's going to take a moment like that for a trans— Now, we've had it in cycling, right? It's cycling. Right. Who cares? We care about cycling, so nobody yes. cares about cycling. No one else. We've had it in a couple other sports that are a little bit more on the um, the edges, you know, not prime. And I'm not saying the LPGA is the biggest thing out there in the sports world, but I think it's a little bigger than some of the other areas where women have made no, I some inroads on— in, well, women, where men have made some inroads um, on the women's side. Let me just kind of put it that way. So I'm I'm almost rooting for Haley Davidson to get into the LPGA, then to see what the reaction is going to be like. And I mentioned this yesterday. It's utterly ridiculous and I think recklessly irresponsible on the part of mainstream sports publications out there. They don't cover the story. ESPN hasn't covered that story. That's a legit sports story. They like to ignore it. Brad Young's coming up next. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Sue had to do a little deep dive on Haley Davidson, the trans golfer. The question was, is there male infrastructure that's still there? And do we have that confirmed or not? Well, there's a quote from her that said, I had surgery coming up on almost three years ago. So uh, I'm assuming that uh, that transition has occurred. in hormone replacement therapy for, for like nine years. And there's rules that are very yeah. specific to that on the, um, the NXXT tour. But look, you still have basic infrastructure, male infrastructure yeah. issues that give you an advantage. She's not hitting the ball 300 yards, 280 yards like some of the, the male golfers. Um, so... And I, I think the story that I read yesterday said that even on the swing speed, I think it was reduced by 15 miles per hour because of the transitioning and the hormone replacement. According to her, it's 50 miles an hour. I've just I've lost just over 50 miles an hour swing speed. 50. How can that be? Well, can because be? that that sounds that well, sounds like a typo. I, I don't know. So, so that's what I mean. Yeah, that I don't sounds know. impossible. Really, I don't uh, know because you could have men that would have you know swing speeds up in the the 140s, but. You know, you're talking amateurs are in the 90s, 80s, 90s. Oh, so I, that okay. seems a little surprising to me. Um, I don't know if Brad Young knows anything about golf swing speed, but let's find out here this afternoon as he kind of listens in. How are you? You know, I know absolutely nothing about golf swings because as my wife and I talk about all the time, coming on your show and filling in for you, that's my golf. Yeah. Well, well I could make some analogies there, but why is that? Why is it your golf? Because uh, I'm just, I, I'm terrible at it. I, I, whenever, listen, whenever you do stuff for fun, you know, this is fun. Talking to you about legal issues and uh, cultural issues is fun. Going out and sucking at golf is frustrating. Yeah, no, I know. And I don't know why I do it on a regular basis, but I do. He I does. somehow torture myself. I don't. Let's talk about this case before the Supreme Court. And, you know, we're going to touch on this from a couple of different angles here this afternoon. But I don't remember all the particulars of this, Brad, but the court comes down in a 5-4 decision. It wasn't necessarily a ruling after arguments, was it, either? It was just deferring to the previous ruling. Is that right or not? No, th- no, that's exactly right. There okay. wasn't oral arguments. There was a, a very truncated briefing schedule. Uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, what we call amicus briefs where other people, friends of the court, file. It was just really just to address this immediate issue of can the feds come in and and make the states remove the razor wire? That was really the only issue before the court. And why did they decide to side with the Biden administration? Because of the, the, the basic framework here that the feds are responsible for border security, not individual states? Well, this requires a little bit of setup. And you're exactly right, Mark, just to, to compliment you there. That's exactly right. Generally speaking, Anything that has to do with immigration uh, under the preemption doctrine, which is the constitutional doctrine that states that when federal law asserts jurisdiction in an area, that preempts state law. So in this instance, 
uh, I, I believe we don't know because there was no opinion. All we know is, is that the order of the court and who voted for what. So we know that it was five to four. We know that Amy Coney Barrett and we also know that Justice Roberts sided with the left in issuing the order. But there were no opinions. So we don't know the reasoning. Let me spitball just for a second. OK. Uh, knowing uh, I've read almost every opinion that John Roberts has ever written and and Amy Coney Barrett is uh, I'm a fan of hers. So I can I can state that I think that they ruled in this way, although I disagree with them. They ruled in this way because of this concept. The Supremes don't ever want to get involved in the middle of a case. Mm. They just don't want to do it. They would rather have the courts issue and be done with their ruling, and then the Supreme Court can pick apart what the lower courts do. That now, in this instance, they were being asked to get in the middle of a dispute before the entire result of the dispute is known. So guessing here, I'm guessing that Roberts and Amy, while I think they're wrong, and I can tell you why, uh, in this instance, I think they just did not want to insert the court in the middle of another court's proceeding. All right. So why do you think they're wrong? Here's why I think they're wrong. First of all, the preemption doctrine is very uh, clear cut. All right. But since this case is not over, and I've, I've done research on this issue in the past, if the preemption clause is susceptible to more than one plausible reading, then the Supreme Court precedent says that the reading has to disfavor preemption. And I'm throwing a lot of legal jargon out there, but let me tell you what that means. In this instance, the federal district court found that Border Patrol agents are not actually apprehending or even processing migrants who cross through these holes in the wire. So since they're not doing that, technically Texas is not uh, violating any preemption because they're not blocking any area that would be processing migrants. So in other words, processing migrants is the sole job of the federal government. The state of Texas isn't blocking that. They're blocking where people are trying to cross illegally right, right. That right? Makes sense. exactly okay so in that instance there is no preemption violation because the federal government sh is, is, is does not exclusively have the right to block illegal immigration let me settle this right here you Manager, are correct you are correct right. Brad. Right. your we interpretation like is correct the um john robertson amy coney bird are, are wrong that's uh, that I, shouldn't be that complicated I, I think that they're wrong so if you already have supreme court precedent that says if the preemption clause application is susceptible to two different meanings, one that would preempt a state and one that would not, then the courts have to defer against preemption. So to me, this is like a 90-second analysis to come up with siding with the conservatives and saying the Biden administration's wrong. So I think Amy's wrong, and I think uh, Justice Roberts is wrong. But in this instance, I think that their concern is, like I said previously, they don't want to get in the middle of a case. They would rather just have the lower court decide it, and then they'll pick it apart later. So I love this moment. I just have to throw some audio in. This is a reporter, Reagan Reese, from The Daily Caller with KJP in the briefing room on the issue of the border. But I just have to play this because of the answer that she gives. Biden admitted Friday that the border isn't secure. Does he have any plans to visit the southern border before the election? The president was in, visited the border recently. 
January. Well, yeah, that was that was a year ago. He's- okay, so a year ago is recently. She goes and she didn't back down from that. <clears throat> yeah, he visited the border recently. Well, that was a year ago. The question is, is he going to visit the border before the election? She didn't want to entertain that. I just thought that was an interesting moment, Brad. Well, it, it is an interesting moment, and we also have to look at this issue through the following lens: the the Congressional Budgeting Office (CBO) just released. It was either yesterday or Friday. They released a study that showed in 2023, two million migrants crossed the border. Mm. Uh, uh, 900,000 of them were released just right after they walked up to the official border gates. And 1.1 million were released after they crossed through gaps in the wall. None of these people are being tracked. And this is contrary to what you've heard, this is not an issue of having not enough border agents. This is an issue of the Biden administration willfully ignoring the same laws that were in place when Trump was president and just allowing these people to go into the general populace instead of making sure that if they're if they're legal and they're and they're allowed in, let them in. If they're applying for asylum, they have to wait. If they're not applying for asylum and they're not legal, then turn around, go home. You don't get in. That's enforcement of our existing laws, and the Biden administration isn't doing it to the tune of 2 million people in 2023. That's not from Fox News. That's from the Congressional Budget Office, and those are legit numbers. I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion. I have Senator Schmidt coming on a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour, and you know th- this will sound like my tongue is going to be planted in cheek, but I, I'm all serious about this, where I think Republicans should just make an effort here to do, uh, and you could probably get some really interesting creative behind this do an ad and just focus on this border issue and just hammer the living crap out of it over and over and make this election about the border now the left will try to pivot and they'll try to make it about abortion so you do have two competing issues there but this is one where the administration and they know this at this point because of the polling the american people are not on their side and i would like this to be um pressed forward because you're not going to see the legacy media tackle it in the way that fox and bill malusian and some of the other folks are, are doing it right now on the conservative side so let's just roll out a big very very aggressive ad campaign Who cares if they call them xenophobic and all this other nonsense? Brad, I really don't care. I just want to hammer that issue home hard. I really do. Right. And 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 you see that what Texas and Florida has done, which is obviously we've talked about it at at length about shipping illegal immigrants up to the northeastern cities. That plan has worked because polling data shows that right now, Democrats, those who identify as Democrats, certainly are not as passionate about this issue as our conservatives, but it's it's there has been a quantum leap of of interest in the illegal immigration issue among those liberals in the Northeast because exactly yeah. of what of what Texas and Florida has done. All right. So let me pivot here to the, the Fonnie Willis case in Fulton County, Georgia. So yesterday, a judge unsealed this divorce case that has entangled this district attorney. Uh, Nathan Wade is the lawyer that Fonnie Willis hired to manage the election interference case against Trump and others. And you got a guy named Michael Roman, who was a former Trump official and one of the co-defendants here that said that those two prosecutors were in a romantic relationship. And then Ms. Willis could have violated the law, not only the laws, but certainly ethic rules by hiring Mr. Wade. And there's a lot of payments that have gone to Mr. Wade. The same day, Willis gets a subpoena from Wade's wife, Jocelyn Wade, to testify in the divorce case. So the Georgia judge rules yesterday, unseal it. And this is what he says. Seems to me that Mr. Wade would be the first and best source of information on what his income has been. 
and how he's been spending it, and that he would have firsthand knowledge of whether he's engaged in an extramarital affair. Only after I hear what Mr. Wade has to say do I think I can make a determination of whether the proposed opponent has any unique knowledge about these issues. All right, so where are we on this right now? This is a guy that's been paid more than $650,000 on this case, 250 an hour, which, you know, lawyers make a lot of money, Brad. I think you might be familiar with that. But, you know, also in this relationship with the prosecutor that hired him. So where is this? Well, first of all, I need to quote my wife who says it's always good when lawyers get paid. I'll just leave <laughs> it at that, all right? Now, having said, having said that, let's let's look at a couple of facts here. And that is that Nathan Wade's experience of being a special prosecutor is nil before this instance. So even there, you have the appearance of impropriety when you have someone who's had no prosecutorial experience being recommended for this position because he's in a relationship with, uh, obviously, with Fannie Willis. So that has the appearance of impropriety. Secondly, let's look at what are the effects of that. If that is uh, a conflict of interest, if he was improperly uh, nominated and appointed, rather, to that position, then the only thing that can cure that conflict is to remove him. So what happens next? And I think he will be removed. What happens next? Well, then another special prosecutor would have to be appointed. And that next special prosecutor would have all of the choices on the table. That next special prosecutor could continue with the prosecution, could reduce charges, or could actually dismiss all of the charges. That would be up to that special prosecutor, and all of that would be on the table. But just to be clear here, you're saying that eventually you think Fonnie Willis is going to have to step out of this, right? Oh, yes, okay, I do. Yeah, I, I do too. I, because what's, and I just want to make clear, yes. I, I thought you said that, Mr. Wade, because look, this, um, the attorney for, um, you know, his ex-wife or soon-to-be ex-wife is saying, look, I want to know how he's spending his money. He got hired by Fonnie Willis. He's making a half million dollars more, $650,000. Her quote is, I have reasons to believe he's spending it on another woman. That's my client's money, and I want to ask questions about that. The judge seemed to think that that was you know, legitimate questions, right? Oh, those are all legitimate yeah. questions. Those are all legitimate questions because of, you know, let's change the facts to demonstrate how that may not be a conflict. If there were no relationship between Wade and Willis, at that point, there would be no conflict. If Wade had an enormous prosecutorial experience and, and then you say, well, maybe there's not a conflict here because of that. But when you, when you look at the facts as they are, I think that any non-biased, fair and balanced analysis shows that we have a conflict. And the only way to resolve that conflict is to extricate both of them from this case and put in a special prosecutor by a committee, much like what you do on the federal level when you have a federal prosecutor. It would be done by a committee. And then at that point, that person who is completely independent could then make an honest assessment regarding the extent, if at all, that Trump should be prosecuted but you in would, Georgia. You would, my gut would tell me that even if you would do something like that, let's say that this is where this is heading, and I think it is, the timetable then of these charges in Fulton County, Georgia, get thrown off at least until next year. I mean, there's no way you would yeah. get through all that this year, Brad, right? No way. It's yeah. impossible. Okay. It's impossible. That's what I thought. And by uh, the way, I think that the reason I just want to state on the record here that I think the reason all this is happening with Fonnie Willis and Mr. Wade is because of racism. And you're a white supremacist for even thinking along the lines that you just expressed on the radio, Brad Young. I just want to say that. <laughs> so I've been called much. worse. Yeah, I know. Hey, thank you for the updates. I appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, take care. Bill Igel, state senator, rabble rouser. The um, Freedom Caucus has been removed, like Bill Igel, other members from committee posts in Jefferson City. We're getting an updated from Bill.
coming up next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Before I do my next topic, I do want to sincerely give my thanks to uh, Senator Caleb Rowden and Senator Bill Eichel and the Freedom Caucus for providing me with lots of material on the show, including some holes today. So Caleb Rowden is the Senate pro tem. Bear with me here. We're going to have some response from Senator Eichel in a second. He is with a group called the Freedom Caucus. Caleb Rodden calls it the Chaos Caucus. So a couple hours ago, this is what the Senate pro tem of the Missouri Senate released on X, formerly Twitter. The beginning of the 24 legislative session in the Senate has been nothing short of an embarrassment. A chamber designed to be occupied with civil, principled statesmen and women has been overtaken by a small group of swamp creatures who all too often remind me more of my children than my colleagues. Missourians have demanded more of us. They've demanded progress, stability, the passage of policies that will provide better schools, a stronger economy, and safer communities around the state. Instead, the Chaos Caucus has chosen to use the Missouri Senate as a place to try and salvage their languishing statewide campaigns and intentionally destroy the institution in an effort to claim the game is rigged against them. They're willing to kill important conservative priorities like IP reform, education reform, banning China from owning our farmland simply so they can continue to receive a paycheck from taxpayers. So what he did today, and this is all um, listed in his tweet, he made a bunch of changes to Senate committees. He removed all of the Freedom Caucus members. For example, Denny Hoskins was the chair of the Economic Development and Tax Policy Committee. Gone. Name someone else to that chair. Same thing for um, Andrew Koenig as the chair of the Committee on Education and Workforce Development. I'm paging down the list, Bill Igel. You're the chair of the Committee on Veterans, Military Affairs, and Pensions, but no longer, right? He removed you from that committee chairmanship today. How are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm good, Mark. Thanks for having me. And yeah, this whole episode just really shows you what happened uh, when the swamp uh, gets challenged, uh, when the swamp is challenged and called on the carpet, because the, let's keep in mind, last week, those same senators, including Caleb Brown, voted against, took a, a roll call vote against bringing initiative petition reform to the floor of the Senate, having a debate and passing it. He voted against that. And then when he had the opportunity to refer the bills to committee to go through the normal procedure on initiative petition reform, he did nothing. So in the meantime, since that's happened, the pro-abortion forces in the state of Missouri have put in $2 million to, towards their effort to enshrine abortion and, and, and roll back the provisions of the heartbeat bill in the Missouri Constitution. And while that is happening, while the pro-abortion forces are getting their act together, we have the Senate leadership doing everything they can. And by the way, when they were voting against bringing up that IP reform bill last week, guess who else was voting with them? The Democrats. The Democrats have been joining them in these procedural and vote calls uh, for years. And I think the Freedom Caucus is just as a place where we're so frustrated that Republicans in Jefferson City don't want to truly tackle the big red policy ideas, whether it's IP reform or getting personal property tax, all those things that Caleb mentioned in his tweet, his words don't match because when it comes to actions on the Senate floor, he didn't do it. Now he wants to take my chairmanship. And by the way, breaking news, they also took my parking spot. <laughs> they're so petty that they're not just taking our chairmanships. They're moving us to the furthest parking spot in the building because they don't like being called out 
in front of the state of Missouri. But that's why people are upset. That's what we're doing. We're fighting for these issues, and they are not going to silence a guy like me or anybody else in the Freedom Caucus anytime soon. All right, so let me back up a little bit. Let's go back to that uh, filibuster last week on IP reform and explain a little bit. I don't want to lose the audience on this. This is the initiative petition reform proposal we talked about on the roundtable last week. If you get enough signatures on ballots, you can get an issue like the the abortion, uh, aforementioned abortion issue, to the ballot in Missouri for voters to decide on. You are asking for what they are saying. What? Where is the the exact disagreement on that particular issue from last week. Let's kind of focus on that, Bill. Yes, absolutely. So because uh, initiative petition reform did not get done last year because of the failures of leadership, because they haven't taken any action on initiative petition reform so far this year, we're, we're almost a month into the session. On the floor of the Senate last week, we made a motion to bring the initiative petition legislation directly to the floor of the Senate uh, and we would have a what's called procedurally a, a committee of the whole where we could basically debate the bill quickly and have the bill complete and over to the House of Representatives in a, in a couple of days. And we, were, we chose a bill that has on it what's called what's known as a concurrent majority, which means that not only for initiative petitions that go in front of the people, not only would they have to have a simple majority of 50 plus 1 percent, but a majority of the state House districts would also have to approve it for it to go into effect, which will require a much broader coalition, not just St. Louis and Kansas City, but St. Louis, Kansas City, and a big consensus of our rural areas if we're going to change the founding document of the state. But when they had the opportunity to vote for that and push back on these pro-abortion IPs that are going through the system, Taylor Browden, Cindy O'Loughlin, and the Democrats all voted no. So one of the issues that comes up, like that particular issue is something, and this is maybe the way it was explained last week, a lot of times this stuff gets pushed to the end of the session, right, Bill? You're kind of right. trying to say, hey, let's, let's do some of these things that we're promising to do and let's get them out of the way right now. Exactly. Well, you're 100 percent right. In fact, that's exactly what led to the failures last year is we had our floor leader, Cindy O'Loughlin and Caleb Rowden waiting until the very last day of session to get things done. And then, of course, it's hard to get anything done right, in the right. closing days of session. And it's, it's frustrating because Missouri has one of the longest legislative sessions of almost any state in the union. So we actually have more time to do these big red things than any other state. And they continued to wait until the end of session. And just last week, Cindy O'Loughlin said in public that she believed that if we let it go in the if we let you know if we didn't filibuster and we let the process work as planned that it was likely that this year initiative petition reform wouldn't come up in the Senate until the very last day. So here we are as the Freedom Caucus saying no 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 we're going to start we're going to get loud we're going to get aggressive with our colleagues and try to bring try to force these things to the Senate floor so that we can get them done now and not wait and they have responded by punishing us by taking our chairmanships, by taking our <laughs> parking spaces. And now they're allowing the conversation to become so petty while hypocritically saying at the same time that they're actually doing this to pass legislation. If they wanted to pass the legislation, they could have just voted for my motion last week. But their votes tell the tale of the tape. They are not voting the way they're talking. All right. Senator Rowden said after the tweet that I just read, which was basically his announcement that you guys are all being stripped of these committee chairmanships, he says this. I want your reaction, Bill. He says, I'm ready to refer every, that's in all caps, every conservative priority to committee today. That's also in caps today, including IP reform, tax reform, public safety measures, and so much more. Everything is still on the table and possible this year. It's time to get to work. So how do you respond to that? So he could have done that 
uh, on Thursday, he didn't do it. He could have done that on Wednesday. He didn't do it. He could have done that any day uh, so far this year, and he didn't do it. So here's what I would say. If he wants to make a motion right now, he could, he could make a motion right now to go to that order of business so that he could refer every single one of those SJRs and every single one of those bills. And if he does so, I will support the motion. However, we know that this is all just – he's just being dishonest again. He's not going to make a motion to go to the referral of bills. He's going to make a motion to go to the gubernatorial appointments because we've already said that until IP reform passes, we're not doing any more gubernatorial appointments. And certainly I can say that we've hit on a real nerve there which is precisely getting the kind of reaction that we're looking for because now they're frustrated, they're upset, and the people of Missouri are starting to pay attention, and they're going to see these guys and gals for exactly what they are, which is folks that are saying one thing in campaign season, doing something else when they get into office. I don't think this matters to you, but um, the, the governor, you think he'll pick sides here? Would he be on the side of Senator Rowden and O'Loughlin? Or what's your expectation, or do you care? So honestly, you know, I've, I have wished for Governor Parson to weigh in on the initiative petition reform discussion uh, for years. Uh, we actually, in the interim, asked Governor Parson to call us into a special session so that we could deal with this issue. Par- Mike Parson did nothing. He did nothing in the, in the interim. He did nothing and said nothing last session. It would be a shock to me that if he decided at this point to start weighing on the issue. And in the, in the broader context, Mark, this is the problem with our leadership in Jefferson City. Here we have the number one priority of the Republican Party in the, city, in, the, in the state of Missouri, and our governor is MIA. He's not saying a word. He's not going to weigh into this because he never has weighed into these big Republican issues. He finds himself at odds with us on a lot of these things. So we're going to have to continue to do what we can to work through the legislature to find compromise with some of our more hesitant colleagues about getting these things through. I don't expect Mike Parson to do anything than what he's already been doing for the past couple of years, which is nothing. Do do we can we do a GoFundMe for um, you know some parking or anything like that for you this afternoon? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's going to be good for me. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I could use an extra you know hundred two hundred steps every day making it back and forth in my truck. So uh, I know that they're they're trying to be petty, but uh, I'm not I'm not going to be distracted from that. Oh, There's a lot posted. of folks in this state. We will keep you posted for sure. All right, Senator, thank you very much. It's a, it's a, this is interesting wow. because it is kind of chaos, and I think what Caleb Rodden did, though, just my gut check is petty. So yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know that that's the way to handle all this right now. But we'll get some folks from the sidelines who aren't involved in leadership or in the Freedom Caucus, maybe to weigh in tomorrow. Hey. We'll see what happens there. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.